Praise God. Listen, if you love worship, you love this experience, this culture that we create. I like the low pad keys right there, guys. That's, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, go, got, got some feel right there in the background. So, uh, no, but if you like worship, if you like um, the presence of God, like what we just encountered here, um, last Wednesday, you're going to want to mark your calendars because this last Wednesday is going to be a little different than normal. Um, by normal, like, there's not a normal for last Wednesday. But this is going to be even different from a normal last Wednesday, which isn't normal. You guys, you guys picking up what I'm laying down? It's going to be good. It's going to, we're calling it a freedom night. And um, we're going to worship God. His manifested presence is going to fill the room. We're already uh, expecting uh, some, some miracle-type things to happen. And listen, if there's a stronghold in your life, um, and you know what a stronghold is, anything that has a strong hold on you, on your thoughts, um, on your body, uh, in your spiritual life, that is the night that we're going to see some things loosed in the name of Jesus. Uh, and people are like, well, why doesn't that happen on Sundays? It does happen on Sundays. It just happened right here during worship. Are you with me? People came up and got prayer. Uh, and, that's, and that's where that happens. But for some reason, on a last Wednesday, there's not another service where we're kind of, you know, chasing. Um, it's all the services kind of come together, and we come in with an expectation. We come in with, a, with an understanding that God is going to move. And when you walk into a room that way, like you're already wide open, ready to receive from God, he's there. He shows up. Amen, everyone. So that is not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, last Wednesday service. Um, we're super excited about that. You're going to want to be a part of it. This is part three of what we're calling a growing seasons. It's a, it's a part of our um, year-long theme, if you will, uh, uh, called planted. We're talking about what it means to be planted uh, as a believer. A potted plant is not planted. You think it is, but when the storms of life come, it just blows it off the porch. But when you're planted in, uh, in the ground, when you're planted in the church, when you're planted in the word, when you're planted in God, the storms of life can come and you just kind of sway with the wind. Uh, it does not take you out. Um, that's the difference between a person who is planted and one who's just kind of playing around with church, playing around with the word of God, playing around with, with you know, what this life could look like. People who try God, are potted. They just, they just kind of blow around the yard. But people who make a commitment, a wholehearted commitment, um, then they become planted and you can't, you can't blow them off with life storms. Week one, we talked about how the Bible is the Word of God. I gave you seven reasons why um, it's accurate. Number one, it's historically accurate. I don't have time to go through all of this. If you're just going to have to go to YouTube and watch the service, um, it's, it's, the Holy Bible is scientifically accurate. Um, we talked about that. We talked about how it's prophetically accurate. Uh, it's thematically unified. It's trusted by Jesus. It has survived the attacks of all time. And the Bible has life-changing power. The, the Word of God is alive. And people are like, it's just a bunch of words on paper. No, 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 no. That Word of God is alive. That's why the Bible says it is life to those who find them. 
It's one thing just to kind of read your Bible because you punch a clock. I'm supposed to read the Word, and you read the Word, and then you, when you're done, you, you punch out. No, 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 no. When you find the Word, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll read a scripture that you've read a thousand times, and then all of a sudden you read it this time, and it's like, oh, I've never seen that before. You just found the Word of God. You just found it. It came alive to you. If the Word of God is not alive to you, chances are it's not working in you. Are you with me, friends? If you're just going about your day in, in His Word, His presence, His character is the last thing on your mind. Listen, I'm all for the grace and mercy of God. He is real. The grace and mercy of God is real. Thank God for it. But you don't have to live your life just depending on the mercy of God. You can live in His grace. Amen, everyone? And so we talked about that week one. Last week was Mother's Day. We actually talked about the Shunammite woman. Um, and we said only planted people survive the storms that are thrown at them. And the Shunammite woman lived through several storms. And we talked about that again. Just a great, um, a lot of people never heard of the story of the Shunammite woman found in Kings. And so uh, we were able to just kind of share that with you guys last week. And lots of people caught me after service. Oh, that was a great, that was great, that was a great message, Pastor. Thanks. So um, today I want to talk about how planted people grow. You know, if a tree doesn't grow, it's planted as a seed. In fact, all throughout Scripture, Scripture refers to the Word of God as, as water. It says, you know, the, the refreshing or the cleansing of, of, uh, of the Word, like water. It compares it to a seed that is sown in our hearts, but it grows Everything God created grows. Are you with me, friends? And so we ourselves, you know, you don't just get saved and like you're done. No, the Word of God gets planted in your life and then it begins to grow. It begins to flourish. It begins to take root. And so it's talked about as water, as seeds, as life, as hope. And so we want to look at that today in our, in our scriptures. And um, you know the whole purpose of church really is twofold. Number one, it's a worship experience, which is what we just had for you to worship God. Then number two, it's, it's, it's for us to learn and grow. Your place church exists to reach, connect, and equip people to live what they believe. And so we're going to equip you today with some thoughts. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you that as we look into your holy written word that is living, that is active, Father God, I pray that you're the one doing the ministry today. You're the one doing the teaching today. Father, I just want to be a vessel. I just want to be as the pen of a ready writer. Father, I want to be, those, uh, I want to be the one that is used by you today. I've got lots and lots and lots of notes, but Father... I only want to say what you want me to say, and I only want to do what you want me to do. And so, Father, I, I endeavor to yield myself to you, to your voice. And, Father, God, to be used by you today as we look into your holy word. Father, we trust you. We thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the life-changing power that's found in your word and in your spirit and in your presence. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I've growing up, everybody wants a dog or, you know, a a gerbil, which is a rodent. You know that, right? I mean, anyway, we all have that. 
You know, have you ever wondered if your favorite dog that died, you know, when you were a kid, have you ever wondered if it went to heaven? Have you, some people have wondered that. Well, yeah, my dog's in heaven. Don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you ruin that. Don't you ruin that. Um, the first dog I was introduced to um, actually was my grandmother's dog. She had two dogs. She had a dog named Joe. She had a dog named Shelly, and Shelly was this little chihuahua. And um, both of them, I was actually present when they, when they died. Joe um, died during giving birth to puppies, um, and Shelly died because my cousin ran over her in the driveway. And it was horrific. And as a, as a, as a kid, I can be, you know, that can be traumatic. I mean, in fact, a lot of times... Children are introduced to death and the fact that this life isn't forever when they lose an animal, a goldfish, you know, a alligator. You guys hear about that in Claremore? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Claremore Lakes got gators. <laughs> I always knew there was something about that lake. You know, in Florida, side note, has nothing to do with my notes. In Florida... I have some friends that live in Florida, and we were out. He's got a pond out behind his house. We were out there, and he's like, hey, be careful. There's a gator out there. And I'm like, there's a what? There's a what out there? Oh, yeah, there's gators in that, in that lake. I'm like, why, why doesn't someone do something about it? Like, get it out. Of, he's in a neighborhood. We're talking suburbia, Florida. And uh, they don't, I mean, they have gators like we have deer. And uh, he's like, oh, no. He says, in order for the officials to come and remove a gator, it's got all, all four stipulations have to apply. Number one, it's got to be over four feet long. Number two, um, if it is endangering a person, not enough. Is it over four feet long? Not enough otherwise. Not enough. It's endangering a person, um, property, okay, or animals. So your chihuahua. All four have to be present for them to remove a gator. In Oklahoma, it just has to be present. <laughs> you know, we don't mess around with gators in Oklahoma, all right? And so uh, I don't care about what your law says. You're in Oklahoma now, Crocky. Boom! All right, so anyway. Um, a lot of people are introduced to, to death when, when an animal, you know, their pet dies. And I can remember when, when, when Shelly, uh, the little chihuahua, m met its gruesome death, uh, my aunt was there and she told me, oh, well, Shelly just went to heaven. You know, and as a small child, that gave me kind of some sort of relief. And you can imagine the heartache when I found out that not all dogs go to heaven. Rottweilers, don't. <laughs> Doberman pinchers, nope. Any yappy dog that barks after 10 p.m., straight to hell, all right? Straight to hell when they die. Oh, and by the way, all cats. That's it. All cats. They, you can't tell me that cat's not going to hell. right? No, they're all going to hell. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because no dogs really go to heaven. 
And you're like, what? No. Because here's the thing. To go to heaven, you have to have a spirit. And if you go back and you read the beginning of creation, the only thing that God breathed his life into was, was humans. And if you think about it, when our bodies fall limp, when we die, like our body falls limp to the ground, our spirit separates, the real you separates from our body, and then that's what goes to heaven. Your, your, your pet, your gerbil, your goldfish, your alligator does not have a spirit, um, and therefore it, it can't be born again. Only born-again people go to heaven. And in fact, Jesus was having a conversation with a man in the book of John chapter 3. His name is Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee, verse 1, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he's a pretty important dude. Uh, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a, you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform these signs you're doing if God were not with him. In other words, he's like, okay, we get it. Um, like, the reason why he's coming at nighttime, he didn't want to be seen by his political friends. But yet he knew something was up, and he's like, listen, we're having conversations in our chambers, and okay, we get it. Jesus, it's like he just jumps right to the chase here. He knows why Nicodemus is here. And he, he just, he starts in at verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. A lot of people are like, there are many ways to heaven. Not according to Jesus. Are you with me? No one, the Bible says, can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this is where you choose to believe the word of God or not. Well, I just don't believe that. Then you choose not to believe Jesus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Look at Nicodemus' statement. Well, how can someone be born when they're old? Like he's not putting it together. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus begins to have a conversation of what it means to be born again with Nicodemus. When we invite Jesus to come live inside of us, we are born again. Being a good person doesn't get you to heaven. Well, I never, I never did no one no, no, nothing wrong. No, that doesn't get you to heaven. This is why a lot of religion, how do you know your religion's right? Well, first of all, I'm not a religious person. I have a relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? I allow his word to filter through my soul, my heart, and he changes me. And not all religions worship Jesus. According to the Son of God, the only way to him is through him. Are you with me, friends? Um, something changes on the inside of us when we ask Jesus to come and live in us. Um, we're asking literally the very presence of God to 
occupy inside of us. We carry the Spirit of God around inside of us when we're born again. And that changes everything. That changes everything. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Here I am. Red letters. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And listen, he's knocking at every heart, every door, every person. He's there and he's knocking. And people who are, you know, just kind of on the fence on whether there is a God, people who says there, are, there is no God, people who are like, there's something out there, I just don't know what it is. All of us, the Bible says, hey, I'm standing at the door and knocking. The person you're believing God for, the person you're standing in the gap for, Jesus is there waiting for them to open that door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's talking about the door of their heart. I, I remember as a kid, you know, my family, we were, we were, we were kind of trying to find a church that fit our family, right? And so my dad woke us up one day and says, we're going we're gonna to be church people. And we started going to churches. That we're trying to find the church that fit. How many guys are glad you found a church that fit? Amen, everyone. Praise God. But I, I can remember, again, as a young man, not, not in a relationship with, with my Savior, just going to these churches because my, my, my parents were like, no, this is what we're going to do. And so we spent a good several weeks there looking for a church. And at the end of, a, not all of them, but most of them, there was this moment where the preacher gets up and he does what is we know as an altar call. And really, it was inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. And I can remember, even as a young, a young, a young boy, um, sitting there during that part going, I think I'm supposed to do this. We've all had that feeling. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you remember that day. Everybody's got that day. That day that everything changed for them. And I can remember at church after church where the, the, the person who does what I do got up and invited people into a relationship with Jesus. I kind of felt that, mm, I, I need to, like I need to do that, right? And, and I'll never forget, uh, you know, um, some friends of mine thought that I had my Jesus moment at a power team, um, whatever you want to call that, crusade. You guys remember the power team? The big guys with the swords, right? You know what I mean? You know, they the busting stuff and breaking, you know, blowing up hot water bottles and all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, and the power team came to the Maybe Center one year, and it was one of those experiences where they got to the end of their, their exhibition of strength and broke bats, and super cool because John Jacobs, the founder of the power team, had his hands in handcuffs, right? Had, had a law enforcement officer come up out of the crowd and use his cuffs to cuff him, right? And he's walking around with his hands, and he's huge, right? He's walking around with his hands cuffed behind him, and there was this song um, back in the day. I can't, I can't even think of the name of it now. It's called Breakaway, but I can't remember the band. Um, but, it, like, it's just got this low organ. And then right at the end, you know, and, of course, everybody's like, come on, build him up. Help him, everybody. If you've been to a power team, you know what I'm talking about. Help him, everybody. Help him. And he's, you know what I mean? And right, right when the guy goes, Breakaway, right, in the song, he went, and the crowd went crazy. 
And right before he did that, he says, when I break these handcuffs, this is going to be, this is going to be symbolic of the devil. We're going to break bond, you know, strongholds and bondages off of your life. When these, when these handcuffs break, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to run to the altar if you need Jesus. Break away. The entire crowd got up and moved to the altar. And I'm like, oh, this, oh, this is what, okay, okay, this is what we're doing. See, that was not my true born-again experience. That decision was made for me. And if you can be talked into a relationship with Jesus, you can be talked out of one. Are you with me, friends? It was probably about a month later. Ironically, it was May. I'm, th- I'm 34 years old, born again. <laughs> this month. This month. And it was May. It was a Wednesday night. We had an uh, a all, a all-American athlete come to our youth group named Keith Green. And um, all-American, like, played all these sports, had given his life to Christ. And I can remember sitting about this area. And um, he invited young people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that day, I raised my hand. That was that day for me. And I became born again. Are you with me, friends? 34 years ago this month. And after that moment, everything changed for me. And a lot of people say, well, you know, we're all about saving souls. When you're born again, your spirit, the real you, is what is born again. You need to understand you are a person on three dimensions. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That is a part of your soul. And we all live in a body. When you're born again, your spirit is born again instantly. But your soul might take a little bit of time. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, talking about the Egyptians, you know, when, when God set them free from slavery, set them free from Egypt, they were free instantly. So they, le- it, they left Egypt instantly, but it took a little while for Egypt to get out of them. Yeah. We see that. And it's the same thing with you and me. When we are born again, Like, we're set free instantly, but it takes sometimes a little bit to get that stuff flushed out of us, that old way of thinking. So people say, you know, we're all about saving souls here. Well, what that means is they're they're actually about saving spirits. And I know what they meant by that statement. People have mistakenly associated the spirit and the soul of a person as the same thing. But the writers of Hebrews makes a distinction here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God talking about this word, this Bible, is quick and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That's the only weapon they had back then. And it's not just a single edge, like two-edged. Like it is sharper than a two-edged sword, even to the defining asunder of, look here, soul and spirit. Recognizing both of them 
and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does that even mean? When you're reading the word of God and all of a sudden something comes alive to you, that's the word of God moving in your heart. The spirit of God and his word work simultaneously together. In fact, you'll never truly hear the voice of God until you understand what his voice sounds like. And the only way you understand what his voice sounds like is to be in his word. Are you with me, friends? So we know that our spirits are what get born again, but is it possible for the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to be born again, for that to be saved? I've seen people who have had a Jesus moment, yet their mind, their will, and their emotions, <laughs> well, let's just say they're not been renewed. Have, a, have an encounter. Like if they, heaven forbid, died right now, they'd go to heaven. But they, their, their, their soul hasn't been renewed. James chapter 1, verse 21. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It's the King James Versions without the these and the thous, okay? Therefore, James says, and I love James because he just tells it like it is. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and then look at this and receive with meekness the implanted word receive we have a responsibility when it comes to receiving the word of god so if you're a person that just punches the clock, get through your daily devotions quick, I got things to do, read, 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 okay, good, I go. You're not receiving the word of God, with meekness anyway. There is a state of mind that you read scripture from. There's a state of your soul. There's a state of your spirit that you read scripture from. We receive the word of God, the Bible says, with meekness. Look here. When you do that, it's actually able to save your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, James isn't talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to believers. All the way through the text, several times, he refers to brothers. Listen to me. Brothers and sisters. In other words, born-again believers, right? If you've been born again, you still have to receive the word of God with meekness. The writer goes on to say in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What does that mean? People had an encounter with Jesus and they're like, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. If you're born again and don't do what the word says to do, you're lying to yourselves that everything in life is okay. He says we've got to be doers of the word. Now, here's what we know. We know that the word of God doesn't return to him void. It's got power. It will penetrate. But as believers, we have to open the door 
of our heart and soul, our thoughts, our minds, our wills, and emotions to receive that word of God. It's a position. Are you with me? It's a position that we take. We treat the word as holy. Every time I, I read a lot from you version, so every time I open that app to read, I'm like, Lord, speak to me from your word. What am I doing in that moment? I am receiving with meekness the holy word. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to do it. Are you with me? When the Bible talks about um, forgiving one another, we're supposed to forgive instead of talking about them. Instead of being ugly, calling them names. We're, when the Bible says to walk in love with everyone, that's not, well, everyone except for this person because they did me wrong. No, 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 no. Walk in love with everyone. Not walking around carrying grudges, subtweeting about them, making ugly looks, talking about them behind their backs, like all of that. It's not walking in love, friends. Well, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Then you're a hearer only. I don't like this message, Pastor Darian. I just, can you preach about something else? Verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. We actually have to be the ones that lays that aside. Get that up off of us. Well, what's wickedness? That seems violent, wickedness. That's not just what the scripture is referring to. There, and we don't, we don't talk a lot about morality issues here because I feel like if we can get your heart to change and be open to God, he'll deal with a lot of that stuff on the back end. But let's talk about it for the sake of talking about it. Would watching internet porn be considered filthy? Well, brother. Would having sexual encounters outside of marriage be considered filthiness. Too much? Too much? Back off? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, cussing? I mean, cheating on your taxes? Lying? The scripture says you and I are to lay that aside. To just stop. Don't, you lay that aside. Well, I'm praying that the Lord takes that away from me. Good. We'll pray with you. But there will be a day when you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And that's happened to a lot of people because you've told me your stories. I've, I've got people that came up and says, you know, listen, I thought I could hold my liquor. Turns out I can't. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, thou shall not drink a sip. Like... You know, even in Scripture, Jesus says, drink a little wine for, you know, your, your little Tommy. Well, the reason why is because wine had alcohol in it, and the puddle they were drinking out of had bacteria in it. And he was like, you should probably drink a little wine to kill that stuff, right? But people have taken that and said, God said I can do it. <laughs> a case later. And they don't like who they become as a result of it. Some of us you know, lay that aside. 
I can't tell you how many times just in the last few weeks people have told us, and what, what is it, Tyson, four people have just kind of been set free from tobacco use of any form just in the last few weeks right here at your place church. Come on, we can, we, amen. Amen. Pastor, tobacco won't send anybody to hell. You're exactly right. You'll just smell like you've been there. <laughs> Moving right along. There was a Relevant Magazine article where um, I got David Kineman, which is Barna Research Group president and strategic leader. He said this. He said, people's moral profile is more likely to resemble that of their peer group than it is to take the shape uh, around the tenets of a person's faith. My moral compass, my moral, what I think is right and wrong, tends to be developed by who I hang around with, who, who I expose myself to, more so than on what Jesus said. And now more than ever, we have born-again, Bible-mostly-believing Christians who are saying, well, that's not what the Scripture meant. Yeah, it is. And we're trying to justify moral issues. This research paints a compelling picture that moral values are shifting very quickly and significantly within the Christian community as well as outside of it. Well, why are those moral values shifting? Because we're changing or deconstructing what the Word of God actually says. Friends, if you're going to be planted in the kingdom of God... You're going to receive your source, your strength, your nutrients from his holy written word. It would be exhausting for you to kind of filter every word that comes in. Is this God? Is this not? Is this God? Is this not? It, no. If it's written in the word, it is God. We're justifying things today that we never used to. And media could play into that, social aspects of it. I get it. This is why we said on week one, for all the people out there deconstructing the Bible and picking and choosing how they want to live their life, we, we said this statement. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe in what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust, but yourself. It's yourself. Is that worth putting your trust in? I need something a little stronger than Darian. I need something a little stronger. I need some more truth than what I perceive as truth. I need the truth. And if we're going to be doers of the word, then we have to be doers of all of it. Are you with me, friends? My amens have calmed down a little bit. Lean into it, pastor. Okay. James chapter 1, verse 23. For any, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, and then, or, for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Happens in church all the time. Oh, that was so good today. I'm a changed man because of that message. Awesome. You walk out those doors, you get in your car, 
and the person cuts you off at the stoplight, or that person at the office, or your spouse, or your kids, or just whoever changes that. Let's be doers of the word. Verse 25, I like this. But, but, anytime there's a but, you need to see what the but is there for. But, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work or the word, this one will be blessed in whatever he does. He'll be blessed in whatever he does. The writer of Romans chimes in right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. New King James, because just the way I like it. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, you, no one's going to do it for you, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Did you know your body can be, can be holy? You present your body. You present your soul. You present your spirit. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. It's actually quite reasonable. And do not be conformed to the culture, the media, what your friends say, people who are far from God trying to talk about God. Uh, that person knows the Bible. Are they living it? No? Why are you listening to them? Well, they know the Word like the back of their hand. You can know the Word or you can be changed by the word. I want to be changed by the word. I don't want to just give you scripture reference. Oh, that's found in Mark chapter 16. Probably between verse 5 and... No. What's changed you? People who post scriptures on their social media. Great. Glad you're in the word. But you know what will do better for us? Tell us what that scripture means to you. I was reading this scripture today. Awesome. What'd you get out of it? Because that'll make me think. Hmm. That's really good. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Bible says, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The saving of our souls happens when we renew ourselves with the word of God. You guys okay? I got to let you go. It's like 1040. People are coming for your chair and your parking spot. So let me, let me just, let me finish it up by saying this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 7, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love the Lord God with everything you have. People who are planted are growing, and the only way they're growing is by receiving with meekness the word 
of God. They're changing. Mature believers don't have to be coddled. They don't have to be coddled. Oh, come here, baby. Mature believers, now listen, we all need one another. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's nice to have people stand with you. But they don't have to be coddled. They're planted. They're planted. And listen, I know we all go through seasons, but if you're planted, and especially if you're planted in a group of believers, we go through the same storms together. We've got this cliff at our house. It's 134 feet down to the lake, pine trees everywhere. And when that north wind comes, like all of the trees move. But I've noticed the ones on the front end move a little bit more than the ones in the middle. And some of us, we're on the front end of a storm. But if you look around, there are others of us with you going through it together. It's important that you're planted and growing. And you're, you, you are the only one responsible for your growth. This is where we get the phrase, you can lead a horse to water. Can't make him drink. This is why scripture says, you present yourself. You lay aside. You receive. You do it. And all of us, there comes a moment where we just have to make a decision. 1 Peter 1.9 says, For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What you've been believing God for. Life's just been mean and ugly. I understand that. But we are still, according to Scripture, receiving the end result of what we have believed God for. What we are fighting for. What we are standing for. People think, Tyra and I don't go through stuff. It's like you never have a bad day. The reason I can preach this stuff is because we've gone through this stuff and still go through. The storm, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. The storms hit the righteous and the unrighteous. The difference between the one who stands and the one the storm takes out is they're growing and they're planted in the Word of God. Amen? It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Father, we love you. Father, we recognize that your Holy Spirit is speaking right to us all, all of us. Father, to, to the person that's been saved for a week, the person who's wrestling with the fact whether or not you're even real or not, or the person who's walked with you for 60, 70 years, Father, this message in your spirit ministers to all of us. Show us, show us what our next step is. For some of us, Father God, we know the next step is maybe we need to spend a little bit more time in prayer. Maybe we need
me to spend some more time in your word and not just punch a clock with it, but actually let the word read us. Not just us read the word. Some of us, Father, our next step is baptism. Never been water baptized. That's happening on last Wednesday. Father, deal with us if that's us. Some of us, Father God, there's some forgiveness issues. We've been carrying around unforgiveness issues. Some of us, Father, we didn't like portions of this scripture. And the reason why we didn't like it is because it, well, gosh, it hit us right where we were, right what we're thinking. Father, show us. Show us what our next step is. For some of us in the room, it could be that we've never made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Or we once had a relationship with him, but we walked away from him. And today we want to, our next step is to accept him back in our heart. Build a life with him again. You remember when you once had a life in a relationship with Jesus, things seem to be different than they are right now. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You feel that little tug in your heart like I was talking about in the beginning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come forward. I believe what can happen can happen between you and Jesus right there in your chair. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. If that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else like that? Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Anybody else? Don't want to make a... Don't want to thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't want to, don't want to rush it. I want you to have this moment. I need to rededicate my heart. All right. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So I'm just going to ask everybody to pray this out loud. If you raised your hands or you should have raised your hands, just connect your heart with these words. Father, right now, I ask you, to forgive me my past any decision that I've made to separate myself from you and I'm asking Jesus come into my life come into my heart I want to be born again I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name.